Captain Kirk. Fascinating. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I saw. Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, bears, capellans, and things to episode 40 of the Muppet Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. We are here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. Jarman, remind our audience what those are. Oh, yeah. Those are the Muppets and Star Trek, of course. Mm. And we do one-to-one reviews of the Muppet Trek and Star Trek, the original series. And this week, we have special Muppet Show guest Cleo Lane and the original series episode, Friday's Child. Yes, and please, Steve, tell us about who the hell this Cleo Lane is. Okay. Um, so our British listeners probably very aware of, uh, of who Cleo mm. Lane is. Uh, she's a famous English jazz singer who holds the distinction of being the only female artist to receive Grammy nominations in the jazz, popular, and classical music category. Wow. But what do our listeners know her from? Her biggest hit in the U.S. only got up to about 156 on the Billboard charts. She wrote lyrics and provided vocals for He Was Beautiful, which was the featured song in 1979's Deer Hunter. Oh. Um, But aside from that, probably this episode of The Muppet Show. Good movie, by the way, Deer Hunter. Check it out. Oh, yeah. Uh, This week on The Muppet Show, the backstage plot pretty much completely centers around the fact that Fozzie's mother is there, so he tries to pry his way into as much of the show as humanly possible. (laughs) On stage... Fozzie interrupts Kermit, who's trying to introduce Cleo Lane. We got our few first musical number, uh, not Cleo Lane, our few musical number, Limbo. It's just mm. called Limbo. Muppet Limbo. A tropical spectacular where Kermit comes out and shames them all by showing how low he can get. <laughs> Fozzie pushes Kermit off stage again to introduce Cleo Lane, who performs It Don't Mean a Thing If You Ain't Got That Swing with Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. And we get a rare independent solo moment with uh the with where Cleo introduces all the band. And mm. I'm not sure we've actually seen that before. I have to stop you right there because that meant a lot to me because someone who's new to two Muppets and you have always known all the names of the people in the electric uh, orchestra or whatever. Um, and I, mayhem, I yeah. yeah, mayhem and I had not. And so I was like, this was something they should have done much earlier in season one in season one, just like slowly introduce all the members and give their names because they don't really do that ever. And so the fact that she did that, sure. I was like, Oh, thank you. Thank you for doing that. That was really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> His name's Zoot. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, following this, we get pigs in space where Fozzie is in place of Miss Piggy, but uh, then he gets sexually assaulted by Link Hogthorn. <laughs> yes. Who won't stop trying to kiss Fozzie because he's wearing a blonde wig. Fozzie makes his way on stage and introduces the next act after being forced off stage by Kermit, who introduces a guest puppeteer, Bruce Schwartz, Mm -hmm. who does a rod driven ballet dancer puppet. That's really very lovely. Up next, we get Ralph, Rolf Baskerville and one other dog joining together to sing Mad Dogs and Englishmen. And it's a very lively kind of funnily tuned number. After this, we visit the kitchen with the Swedish chef who is joined by Cleo Lane and they perform a duet of You're Just in Love. And it is awesome to hear the Swedish chef sing. That's a rap before. Hear him, like make things up. But to hear him do all, like a whole line of a song in nonsense was just great. And also the first time we've had the uh, the guest star join the Swedish chef, I think. That's right. Yeah. Maybe there might be one other we're forgetting, but maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, 
following this, uh, Fozzie finally gets his comedy act where he talks about uh, like uh, the act of phrenology, reading someone's <laughs> head. Yeah. And he brings Kermit out, who's really, really annoyed by all this. Uh, finally, nephew Robin comes out uh, to introduce the final act for some reason. And it's Cleo Lane performing a song called If. And it's a real soft, sullen number. And Schwartz comes back and does another rod-driven puppet act that's, that's lovely and goes with it nicely. Mm. We get to the final curtain. It turns out Fozzie's effort was, was all for naught because his mom is asleep in the audience. <laughs> and that is what we call The Muppet Show. German, what did you think about this week's episode with Cleo Lane? You know, it's funny because uh, I didn't know who she was, obviously. Um, yeah. But then I heard her sing and she was amazing. Didn't realize she was British because she sang the standards that she sang very much in the American jazz standard. style. Yeah. Standard style. And she was wonderful. Like she's just jazzy and it's a great voice for kind of rough kind of voice. Um, and so I'm, I'm now interested in Cleo Lane. I want to know more about her. Um, also, when, when, um, Swartz came on with his um, original, his marionette Whatever puppet act. Yeah, I was originally going to be like, oh, "This is boring. I'm, I'm having to skip over this," which I would never do. It's just I was thinking about it, but then I watched it, and it's just he's so subtle with that marionette puppetry that it's it's fascinating. It's it looks oh, yeah. surreal. It looks creepy. It, it is creepy, especially the first. I one. I particularly appreciated the second one. That he yes. Did with Cleo singing because with him blacked out, it really, really enhanced the illusion. That's why I didn't like the first one that he wasn't blacked out. And so there, there was too much emphasis. You could see him doing too much, but the, 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 yeah. the, the puppetry was still amazing. But then the second one, it fit in. He also matched the colors with what she was wearing to the puppetry he was using. Mm-hmm. And and also the, the 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 simple thing of the dead body of the husband that she's she's uh, praying over, he's moving and breathing slightly. He's not dead yet. He's he's sick and he's dying, and he's right. slight he's slightly moving. And I'm like, wow, that is true artistry with puppetry, and like it looked so interesting and fast, very yeah, creepy. Life to it. Yeah, but very still very creepy, but it's also very cool. Uh, but you're right, like him being blacked out made it that much more um, interesting and fascinating. And so I'm glad. I hope they still keep doing that through the next seasons, like with um, guest puppet puppet people. Cause we had, what was the last season we had that one guest puppetry people on? Oh Lord. We had mum and Sean. Mum and Sean. was that guy that did um, like the shadow puppetry. That yeah. was actually pretty good. And I like those things coming on because it puppetry is a whole unique artistry set that we need to see more about. And it was very cool. Um, and I think that that's probably why he was shown in the first one, because Jim wanted to feature him. Right. And, and even though he wasn't the guest star, it's somebody it's featuring guest puppetry, which is pretty cool. Um, but something interesting that's being it's going to develop in our conversations going forward from Muppet Trek is the episodes that Disney puts a warning on. Um, yeah. Disney Plus. Uh, now, I was actually just talking about this with my mom earlier. Yeah, because Disney Plus is going to be featuring episodes. Uh, it has all these episodes now, but showing warnings a few uh, in front of some of them. And this episode had a warning in front of it. And I was like, which part of this episode were they warning for? And I was like, was it the limbo section where people are doing impersonations of Caribbean singers? I, I think that limbo probably. Um, uh, but then we the have the dialect and the island thing. Right. Uh, but then we have the dog there. singing about super racist things about white people colonizing natives that could have been a problem uh but then we have uh then we have just sexual flat out just sexual assault basically yeah so take your pick it could be one of those many things that in this episode Mm -hmm. uh my mom actually asked she said how are you guys going to discuss that and i said i think we just need to anyone that has a warning that we just call out what it is 
Right. I don't want to ignore it. No, of course not ignore it. It's yeah. not what we should do. And that's um, that's my argument against all the thing people who are talking about cancel culture right now. It's like no one's canceling this stuff. It's still available. You can see all this these things happening. It's just discuss it in context and say what's wrong and what's not wrong and go on with your life. You know, like and, right. And I th- I think that and so this actually got me thinking because um, one of our arrested was Rest Robot po- podcast. Uh, Sean Vanderloo released an episode about Pepe Le Pew right being canceled. I'm just listening to that episode and, now. Actually, I haven't finished it yet. And it got me thinking, and then I saw some other thing about Miss Piggy. Like, Miss Piggy assaults people. She's sexually aggressive. Should we cancel Miss Piggy? And I'm trying to figure out if there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Because I can't decide. And I think there is. I think it's a false equivalency, but only because Miss Piggy, yes, she's she assaults her boss and, like, in the next episode goes after the guest pretty hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she also sings and performs, and she's vain, and she wants followers, and she wants fans. She has different facets versus Pepe Le Pew, whose whole shtick is sexually assaulting a cat. That is the entire purpose of Pepe Le Pew. It's finding me a Pepe Le Pew cartoon that is not about him sexually assaulting that cat. Right. He has no other drive or character motivation than that. And so it's hard. It's hard for me to say they're the same, but I certainly, you know, rewatching it now, it's even more astounding. Yeah. And the Piggy does. Well, yeah, like we, we we pointed out, I think even before this, assault, we've even talked about this. Every time Miss Piggy assaults someone, we say, and then Miss Piggy assaults someone. Like we, and then we, she assaults her boss. We recognize <laughs> that it happens. And the idea is that like she's but she also is multifaceted. She has a character arc that happens throughout the movies and throughout the whole show. And like she's different than that. Whereas Pepe Le Pew, his entire purpose, every single episode he's ever his appeared on. Shtick. His whole whole shtick is that he sexually assaults a cat. So like, there's just no other sometimes purpose. Sometimes he's for, smelly. Sometimes, sometimes he's, smelly. he's smelly. Most of the time it's about sexual assault. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So it's like it's like that. There's there's dimensions to Piss Picky and there's terrible things she does, which we will point out. But we are going to keep calling her out on it. That's my promise. We're going to keep calling her out on it. And also Animal had his one of his first real um, moments like that in this episode with Cleo Lane. Mm. He gets a bad rap, but Piggy has done so much more of that thus far in the show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the idea is that no, I will point this out onto the um, other podcasts as well. But but anyone who talks about um, these things being canceled is that no one's canceling Pepe Le Pew. Uh, basically the people who are making the space jam movie are saying that they are not going to include him because they don't want to, because he's toxic. And so no one told them to do that. They're just saying, we're not going to include this because it's bad. And no one, there was no outrage saying we shouldn't do this. There's just now just outrage that they're not including him. And so it's not cancel culture. He was not canceled. He's just not being included because he's toxic. And now people are being outraged about th- him not being included. So it's, it's very different. It's a very different thing. Anyways, we, we digress. <laughs> All right. Music this week. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, the Muppet Limbo. This is a Muppet Show original written by Derek Scott, uh, who is a longtime music collaborator and contributor. And he's the one that played the, the piano anytime you see Ralph the dog playing the piano. Nice. He's very good. It Don't Mean a Thing, originally written by Duke Ellington with lyrics by Irving Mills. In 2008, it was inducted into the Grammy uh, Song Hall of Fame. It's a great song. Mad Dogs and Englishmen uh, by Noel Coward, subject of a heated argument between Winston Churchill and FDR. Oh, and Noel Coward wrote it. overheard having a ruckus argument about the orders in which the verses came. 
And later on, it is said that Churchill admitted he was wrong. Oh, wow. Uh, You're Just in Love, a popular song from Irving Berlin. It was first performed on Broadway by fellow Muppet show guest Ethel Merman. Nice. nice. Years before. Uh, if by David Gates and made famous by the group Bread. Uh, Telly Savalas, <laughs> actor, recorded a mostly spoken word version of it that went to number one in the UK for two weeks. What? And Telly Savalas also had a short cameo in the Muppet movie. Yeah, he was uh, not Columbo, but uh, is that Columbo? Go wash. You'll, you'll get sh- you'll get warts. No, that's a myth. A what? A myth. A myth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Telly Savalas is Columbo, right? Uh, maybe. That's that. Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Is that right? Is he Columbo? I don't know. Yeah, he's the he's the cross-eyed guy or the guy who has the weird eye. Yeah. No, no, no. That's Peter Falk. Peter Falk, you're right. So Telly Savalas was the he's Kojak. In, uh, Great Muppet Caper. Yes, yeah. Kojak. Kojak. Okay. Kojak. I was get Kojak, Kojak in there. Kojak did a spoken word version of that song that was number one in the UK. That's two. weird. What's wrong yeah. with the UK? Just figure yourselves out. Yeah. Let us know. <laughs> Write us. Uh, Jeremy, what did you think was the best Muppeteering moment this week? Um, I have to do with um, I, I did limbo section because uh, the limbo whole number was very well done with a lot of different Muppets and a lot of things going mm-hmm. on. But I gave a honorable mention to the dying man marionette sequence with uh, Schwartz, which is not really a Muppet moment, but it's it's it was just so well done. And then the whole effect of it, um, of them becoming ghosts at the end and flying away, just that was a beautiful segment. And something I wouldn't yeah. normally think I would need to watch, but I watched the whole thing and I was just like, that was beautiful. It was really beautiful. My best Muppeteering moment this week is also Bruce Schwartz. Yeah. Um, there were just no highly technical Muppet performances this week, mm. but his rod work and the, the ballet dancer specifically, the movement. Um, yeah. It was just honestly the best guest performance they've had. He was just technically wonderful at what he did and spectacular. I, so I, Bruce yeah. Schwartz is the winner of this episode. <laughs> Bruce Schwartz. And I just would never ever have seen something like that ever before but then this episode exposed me to that and it was beautiful so like and that's exactly what what jim wanted he yeah. wanted a platform to show off people because puppetry needs more platforms deserves yeah yeah and it's and and i i was thinking to myself as i was watching that that people had probably watched marionette performances like that in the in medieval times like they were watching that for entertainment and right. i'm watching it now something that was that beautiful that back then it was just it was fascinating yeah so bruce schwartz good for you <laughs> yeah absolutely bruce schwartz is the winner yeah uh, Jordan, tell us about this week's episode of star trek the original series absolutely so we have friday's child which i'm going to read from the wiki here this is a a, a fascinating episode <laughs> i'm sure you thought so as well mm-hmm. so the enterprise uh arrives at capella four Yes, Capella 4. There's always a number. There's a, Why is there always a number? We're Earth. We're not Earth 4. Uh, There's so many Capellas, they can't <laughs> keep track of them all. Uh, they're negotiating a mining contract for a valuable mineral, but these uh, Capellans are very violent and warlike and also very tall. That's the big thing about this episode. They're very tall, big people. And they put these things on top of their heads that make them even taller. Yes. And a lot of the actors wore big shoes so they could appear tall as well. Uh, but Kirk beams down to the plant with McCoy and Spock and a security officer, and they find that this Klingon emissary is already present. He's already there trying to vie for these minerals that are there on this planet. So the Capellans order Kirk and his party to hand over their weapons as the Klingon has done already. And the Klingon's like, oh, look, I already hung on my weapons. Why aren't they doing it? 
and there's a violent one. Yeah. And suddenly, when this one of Kirk's security escorts sees a Klingon there, uh, despite him being trained by Starfleet and everything, he pulls a gun on the, on the Klingon immediately and says, "Oh my God, there's a Klingon!" And the capellas like a death boomerang at him. Yeah, they throw their death boomerang at him and he dies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the Capellan's leader, uh, a car, he initially is favoring the Federation's offer over that of the Klingons. He thinks they have a good offer over their for their minerals. Um, however, another Capellan named Maab challenges his leadership. So fighting breaks out among the Capellans and Maab kills a car. Uh, winning the title of Ta'ir, the leader for himself. So he went, he becomes leader and he, he likes the Klingon guy. Uh, he orders the death of Aline, which is the previous leader's pregnant wife, because her unborn child represents competition to Ma'ab's rule. So Kirk, Spock, and McCoy manage to escape with Aline into some nearby hills, uh, while a party of Capellans pursue them. Uh, McCoy is determined to assist with Aline's pregnancy despite her cultural prohibition against physical contact with any uh, a king's wife, Tahir's wife. Um, so he keeps trying to touch her, basically, and she's like, don't touch me. And he's like, but I need to help you because her arm is also injured from the battle they had earlier. Uh, I'm a doctor, damn it. <laughs> I'm a doctor. Uh, so he finally gets her cooperation by slapping her in the face <laughs> because God. they're all violent people here. So they're like, they appreciate, uh, you know, masculinity and, and, and attacking people and, and yeah, that kind of thing. So uh, she cannot reconcile herself to bearing the child who in her culture would belong to no one. But McCoy tells her to repeat the words, the child is mine, but she misinterprets this by thinking McCoy is claiming the child is his own. Uh, so she thinks that the child will be McCoy's child. Uh, which he's yeah. like, okay, whatever makes you think you can have this child, that's fine. Whatever, I don't care. Let's, let's just make it happen. <laughs> so the, the delivery is successful, but Kirk is unable to reach the Enterprise using their communicators because the starship has been drawn away by a false distress call. So Scotty's in charge of the chip, and he's going away, uh, chasing off after a fake distress call caused by the Klingons, trying to draw them away from the planet so they can attack. Uh, the Capellans chase after them, and they arrive, and Aline escapes after giving birth. And she wants to surrender to the rest of uh, the Capellan people. Uh, she claims that she killed the humans, probably trying to save them because she's on their side now. But when the Klingon questions her story, he pulls out a Federation phaser that he had uh, retrieved earlier and threatens everyone. But uh, I can't wrap this up. How am I going to wrap this up? <laughs> Fuck. You got all the basic parts. Um, the Klingon goes with Mob, the new ruler, to go and seek out the air uh, and they go and the Klingon proves himself to be like a scoundrel, basically pulling out a gun at a knife fight. Mob mm -hmm. realizes the Klingons aren't the ones that they should go with and basically says, I'm not fit to lead these people and sacrifices himself, giving one of his men the uh, death boomerang chance to kill the Klingon. Absolutely. Uh, and then Aileen uh, who has sort of embraced the child. He is the ruler, but she is going to act in his stead as the regent as the regent. And this, this planet that was mostly male dominated now has a female ruler effectively for the first time. Yeah. Starfleet gets the gem contract and flies off into space. 
and they've kind of uh, broken the contract of uh, not interfering with uh, primitive organizations. Yeah, I had, on a, I had a question about that. <laughs> <sighs> well, thank you for finishing up that uh, bam thing for me there. The end did get convoluted because there was a long it time did. where they were just like in a hunting party, and it was uh, like. Spock and Kirk making weapons out of sticks and stuff for a long time. And bows and arrows. It lasted a long time. It did. (laughs) Well, it was once it was once Bones Bones was trying to convince her to have the baby. That whole them hiding in the cave and the hunting party really slowed down the episode. Like really kind of grinded it to a halt. So what did you think of this episode overall, basically? So things I liked. um, I love that they just like retconned. Oh, Bones spent a lot of time with these people. Years ago, yeah, he spent time with these people. He know, like, I was like, really? Okay, fine. Uh, I love that they bring the woman to Kirk, and they expect him to physically take her and fight one of them. And they're like really disappointed he doesn't do that. Oh, that was a fun moment. Yeah, <laughs> and I loved Scotty putting Sulu in his place when Sulu's like, you know, the warp drive. I know that I'm very well aware of the, of the capabilities <laughs> of engineering. Uh, just isn't like who the fuck you think you're talking to Sulu <laughs> yes absolutely um, how, how do I know I'm a doctor that's how I know great line great <laughs> line from bones uh, things I different didn't like god damn it can they settle on what Klingons are <laughs> this further illustrates a problem like a big problem that like what they stand for that kind of thing well no like this is now this is the second time we've seen a Klingon, maybe third. Mm-hmm. And last time it was very different. Very different. Like this was just like a Greek guy this time. Well, same makeup, same costume. No, they did not style them the same way. The I, other guy was tall, slender. They really emphasized his eyebrows with fake eyebrows. He had the food like they physically used facial hair to like change kind of the shape of his face to make him look a little bit more alien. This is just a guy with a chin beard. They had more of a Fu Manchu last episode, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then to see that go go into the Klingons we know later, it's just really hard to mentally reconcile. Well, we'll have to get all the way to Star Trek Enterprise uh, to explain why Klingons yeah, look the way like they Yeah, I know genetic changes to make other it's races weird. more comfortable or something. <laughs> I know. It's real dumb, though. It works. Uh, I think it works. <laughs> uh, Kirk, I love that the, the red shirt got killed, and Kirk's like, he was young and inexperienced, and Kirk literally just drops him. He just drops this dead body. <laughs> he doesn't lay him down gently and like closes eye. He just drops him. Uh, um, and then when? So when is it established the the rules for pre warp civilizations? Uh, last season, they they discussed that okay. you can't do this kind of thing. Right. So I guess it's okay to address pre warp civilizations if they have something you really really want. I know that's a problem. It's more of like a U.S. standard of. Uh, what resources do you have? Can we take them from you? Okay. It felt very much like an analogy for the Middle East. Yeah. It's a problematic for sure. Um, so yeah, that was weird to see. And it was just such an about face from what I came to expect. Um, and the one thing I did not like was they, they made Scotty seem kind of dumb in this episode. Yeah. I thought he seemed, so, he, he seemed effective. So, well, no, so they go out to chase this signal. And they go out and Scotty realizes it's a trick. Mm-hmm. He realizes it. He goes, they called for us specifically. We can't identify the signal. We don't see anything in the scans. He realizes his, he's been duped. And he's like, well, I guess we'll play along a little bit longer. Let's complete the scan. 
I think he, he I thought that was good. He was like, he's following Starfleet regulations yeah. that he can't leave quite yet because he's like, I gotta make absolutely fucking sure that, that there's not a so there's not a that ship out here. So dumb. Yeah, I can see that. It just made him look dopey. He's like, I know we've been duped. We can give it another ten. <laughs> you know, fair, dopey. fair. <laughs> um, uh, and then the question that we need to ask uh, now more than ever is was there a love spark between Uhura and Scotty this episode because they're once again the two left behind I put I put in my notes another moment with Uhura and Scotty because there was where she it was an intense moment it wasn't a, r- a romantic moment but it was like it oh. was a personal moment where she felt comfortable talking to him in a very frank way and I was like oh they seem close you know what she I mean? She certainly got to see, like, see him under pressure. Right. And she says, she, she walks up to him and talks to him like she never talks to Captain Kirk. Like, well, yeah, I think that was really what they were trying to illustrate. Right. More than anything. I think they were trying to illustrate, like, oh, she does not, you not talk Kurt that way. But she, mm-hmm. she feels comfortable talking to Scotty that way. I feel like it shows they had some kind of lovey dovey thing there going on there. Mm hmm. <laughs> Maybe that fifth Star Trek movie wasn't as out of left field as we thought. Exactly. I'm just saying. I thought they had some nice location team. shoots for this one. It was obviously, some budget True. for this episode. I mean, look at all the costumes alone. Like, they haven't yeah. done that much heavy costume work in the show in a while. A lot of casting of tall actors and actresses. And so they had to put them mm-hmm. in, and then also in costumes. And like, they were on location, they weren't on the bridge the whole time. So. And think of how much money they had to spend on all those death boomerangs. <laughs> Effective up to a hundred yards. <laughs> yeah, sure. And also, I will point out that um, that little clip at the beginning of the episode where they show Bones um, studying with them on the planet. He's in the um, the Cage era um, costume. So they they, okay. they purposely put him in a costume that was from an earlier era, showing that he long ago used to study there on this planet. So I thought that was pretty cool for the 1960s TV show to like for think of think about that. Yeah, think of that continuity. That was pretty neat. So, anyways, some, some trivia fun factoids this week. Absolutely. So temperatures reached 110 degrees in the oh. Vasquez Rocks, where the location shoots were held making it very uncomfortable for the actors in Capellan costumes for this episode. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine. 110 degrees. And Vasquez rocks are used all throughout Star Trek, if you've known about that before. Um, lots They're in the Gorn episode. Yeah, in the Gorn episode. As you prob- and also in Star Trek Generations, that big old fight, that was the Vasquez rocks. Um, uh, okay. You might have noticed a lot of the, the dialogue was kind of off in this episode. That's because... Lots of dialogue looping was used this episode because of the outdoor setting. They couldn't get close-up uh, microphones. They didn't have like you know lavalier oh, they didn't mics. Have any rigging or anything like that. Yeah, so. so they had to do a lot of looping afterwards, a lot of recording afterwards, and so a lot of the dialogue was uh, looped over and strange. Uh, Julie Newmar played Aline or Elaine, uh, the wife of the king or whatever. Uh, she also played Catwoman on the 1960s show Batman. And she is, oh, okay. yeah, she, Julie Newmar is pretty famous and she's five foot 11 or she was, so she's very tall. Um, and the baby, uh, that she has is called Leonard James, a uh, would make numerous appearances decades later as a high ranking Starfleet officer in many Star Trek novels from the original series, Star Trek, D space nine relaunch novels and the Star Trek Titan series. 
where in the latter, he holds the rank of Admiral. So that baby eventually becomes an Admiral in Starfleet in the novels anyways. <laughs> okay, so not only did they make this deal, but they allowed this very early pre-war civilization to join Starfleet. Apparently, so they must have advanced their civilization way more than they should have. <laughs> but yeah, they did. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, That's the cool. ba- the baby, the, she does name the baby Leonard James Akar, which is Leonard after Bones and James uh, Kirk. Yeah, after so, Kirk. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. That's cool. Yeah, there you go. So what Trek uh, Muppet connections oh. we have this week? Oh, that's great. Uh, both Cleo Lane and Leonard Nimoy have both covered Randy Newman's song, I Think It's Gonna Rain Today. <laughs> nice. That's something. Uh, Julie Newmar uh, was on the love boat, which, as we have established, everyone was on the love boat. Oh, my God. We don't have a button for that yet. We need a button. <laughs> you need to get me a button for that. But, yeah, many, many Muppet Show guests have, were also on the love boat at some point. Uh, Julie Newmar was the guest of honor at a Golden Globes viewing gala in 2013 that was held at the Jim Henson Studios. Mm, nice. That's right. And Michael Dante, who played Ma'ab, <laughs> uh, had his own radio talk show from 95 to 2007. He had a lot of guests on, and among them were many, many Muppet Show guests, huh. including Milton Berle, Connie Stevens, Kay Ballard, and Phyllis Diller. Wow. All came on Monk- Michael Dante's show. Who I had no idea. That's crazy. Do we have any similarities this week, German? Of course. Uh, on the episode of The Muppet Show, we have Kermit getting smushed in the limbo number, just like okay. the aliens get smushed by the boulders when they go through okay, the Vasquez yeah. rocks. Yeah, when they trap them. Yeah. Uh, Fozzie wants to impress his mom, just like Kirk wants to impress the Capellans. Oh, <laughs> I have Fozzie mm-hmm. does phrenology on Kermit, which is an antiquated and completely debunked medical study and practice, just like how the Capellans are dismissive of the modern day technology and medical Ooh. practices of Starfleet. There you go. OK, uh, both feature fierce competitions, the limbo in the Muppet show and deathmatch in Star Trek. <laughs> Fierce competition. Uh, Cleo <laughs> tries to sing a song with the Swedish chef, to which he at first just reacts with violence, throwing things everywhere. But eventually they create a beautiful duet, just like oh how my. Bones is trying to give Aline medical care, to which she responds with violence. But eventually they create a beautiful baby together. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Both feature blondes who want to get rid of something. Fozzie can't get rid of Link Hogthrob, and Aileen wants to be rid of her unborn child. (laughs) Same episode. Same episode. Same episode. I'm telling you. (laughs) Oh, God. Transporter malfunction. What is that noise? Transporter malfunction. All right. Now is the time of the episode where we transport one character from one episode to the other episode and vice versa. So what do you got for us, Steve? Well, Muppets to Trek this week, I'm going to bring Fozzie over in the blonde wig and replace Aileen. Okay. <laughs> because I think it would just be funny him playing the don't touch me card. Similar don't to how touch he was me. with Link Hogthrob. <laughs> nice. I have, uh, yeah, because Link, it was a sexual harassment. It was terrible. Um, yes, sexual harassment. I have Cleo Maybe Lane transporting over to take the place of Bones. Uh, she would calm down the Capellan people and Elaine so much with her singing that they would have peace and have a baby with no complications. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Uh, Trek to Muppets. I think we could bring over all the Capellans in those ridiculous outfits into the limbo number, and I'm not sure anyone would notice. No, I don't think they would. That's true. 
<laughs> Plus, I would love to see all those really tall guys in platform shoes try to limbo. Oh, that'd be rough. A lot of accidents will happen. Uh, <laughs> I have the Klingon character transporting over to take the place of Fozzie. Because uh, he would be relentless with Kermit. My mother is in the audience. Oh, that's right. Now make me a star of the show or I shall destroy you and your fellow Muppet kind. <laughs> I can see that like a forceful takeover by Klingons. Exactly. My mother is in the audience. Damn you. <laughs> so, my chin beard. <laughs> enjoy my Fumanchu. So that brings us to the end of episode 40 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for the Muppet Show with special guest Rudolph Nureyev. And original series episode, The Deadly Years. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds. 